here's a message from Ken Lavica. Jim Harbaugh potentially heading back to the NFL, but what's his legacy then at Michigan if this happens? Stone Labanowitz hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. Presented by FAU MBA and Sport Management Programs. Turn it up! Turn it up! From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, it's Ken LaVeca Live on ESPN 106.3. Well, well, well. Look who appears as if he wants back in the pro game. After an up and down time in college, I think is probably the best way to put it. Jim Harbaugh, would he really leave Michigan now that it seems like he finally has this thing going? Finally has the Wolverines in a position to consistently compete for Big Ten championships. Would he really go back to the NFL? And if he does, how do we look at his time in college? At Michigan. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. It is a Wednesday edition here from the Anna John Levine Accident Attorney Studios, downtown West Palm Beach, Phillips Point Towers, right off of the overcast but comfortable intracoastal. Stone Labanowitz, Friday Night Lights. He has things running smoothly. He's in charge here until 2 o'clock. Uh, we were supposed to have Jeanette Javier. Uh, unfortunately, that is not the case today. We miss her, we miss her sincerely. And uh, we hope that she is back uh, next Wednesday here at noon here on ESPN West Palm. Uh, So yesterday, and of course, this is what always happens. You do a two-hour radio show and you say to yourself, you know what? That was pretty good. I liked it. Flowed well. Had some good points. Had some strong takes. Talked with the fans. They called in. They made good points for the most part. And then you go on with your day and say, you know, we'll look ahead to tomorrow. We'll prepare for tomorrow. What's going on? But... Literally minutes after we got off the air yesterday, I saw this tweet for the first time. And then you're like, God, we could have talked about this easily today for two hours by itself. But Bruce Feldman of The Athletic, the first person I saw tweeting his own story from The Athletic, and here's what the tweet read. Sources from both from the NFL side and at Michigan, tell The Athletic that Jim Harbaugh might be tempted to leave the Wolverines and return to the NFL. Well, damn. That would have made for a nice topic yesterday, right? But that's why we're going to get to it now. Jim Harbaugh potentially back to the NFL. And you want to know how I know it's real? It's because... We haven't heard a thing from Jim Harbaugh. It has now been close to 24 hours, and we haven't heard anything from Jim Harbaugh. No statement, no iPhone notepad tweet, nothing. And if you don't think Jim Harbaugh is at least flirting, then I think you're a little bit delusional about how the football coaching world works. Let me read to you from The Athletic. This is Bruce Feldman about Jim Harbaugh potentially having an eye on the NFL once again. 
What a difference a year makes. 12 months ago, Jim Harbaugh was coming off a 2-4 and four season, which he took a sizable pay cut to remain the head coach of his alma mater. Fast forward a year, and Harbaugh finally beat arch-rival Ohio State, led Michigan to its first Big Ten title in 17 years, and won AP Coach of the Year honors. And now, the Athletic is hearing rumblings, both from the NFL side and at Michigan, that Harbaugh might be tempted to leave the Wolverines to return to the NFL. Quote, I think it's real, said one source this week when asked about the possibility of Harbaugh being interested in heading back to the NFL. Quote, I think it's real, said one source this week when asked about the possibility of Harbaugh being interested in heading back to the NFL. And again, we're a full 24 hours after the fact. Nothing from the Harbaugh camp. Now, in the head coaching world, and Friday Night Lights knows this for sure, he lived it in the college football coaching world, there's always discussions. There's always chatter. There's always ADs reaching out. There's always agents gauging interest. And for the best college football coaches, there's always a conduit, that agent that is communicating with NFL teams who might be trying to dip their toe in the water. Here's the difference with this, though. Harbaugh's already dipped that toe in the water. He's dipped that leg in the water. He's dove headfirst into that water. And he also swam in that water to a Super Bowl and damn near won it. He's had success. He's a known quantity. He took a quarterback that if you don't like his politics, you think he sucks. He developed that quarterback and Colin Kaepernick into something that nearly won a ring. So, if you don't think NFL teams are interested in Jim Harbaugh, you're a little bit sports brain dead. NFL teams, there's going to be an interest in Jim Harbaugh if he gives the go-ahead to tell his agent, hey, flirt, bat your eyes a little bit, write some notes a little bit, pass them around, see, see who's going to... Who's going to respond back? Slide into those DMs, if you will. How about that? How old am I? I went with passing notes over sliding into DMs. I'm 37 going on 60, everybody. But it's not just Bruce Feldman and his sources that think that it would make sense for Jim Harbaugh to go to the NFL. Cole Kubelik was on Freddie and Fitzsimmons last night here on ESPN 106.3. And Cole Kubelik, he's not surprised by this chatter at all. With everything that's happening in college football, to be honest with you guys, it, it never surprises me that a coach would want to get out of there and go to the NFL. Um, NIL is, it, if folks don't understand, when they see some of these high-profile kids going in the portal, and, and I say this having spoken to multiple Power 5 coaches about it, the conversation goes like this. Coach, I'm thinking about going in the portal. How much NIL money can you get me? Well, None, this, maybe this. Okay, cool, I'm out. Portal hits. Then the next thing you know, they get the notification on their phone from the portal app or whatever it is, and the kid's gone. So there's, there's just a lot to deal with, with guys being able to leave, having to recruit the transfer portal, having guys having to re-recruit players that are on your roster currently. It's just it's a lot, man. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Jim Harbaugh, after taking his alma mater to the college football playoff, beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten, said, I'm going to give the NFL a shot again and, and see how we can make it go. 
So that's Cole Cubelli. He clearly thinks that because of the frustrations now of college football, Jim Harbaugh would head back to the NFL because he's had success there already. And at least from that standpoint, the off-season portion of the entire job is a little bit easier. Take that for what you will. Consume that how you want to consume that. But it would make sense, right? A guy who, who came a literal play away from winning a championship maybe wants to give it one more go. Albert Briere, NFL Network. He was also on Freddie and Fitzsimmons last night here on ESPN 106.3. Albert Briere making the point that, hey, you know what? Dude's not getting any younger. This might be his last shot at Super Bowl glory. And I think if you're Jim Harbaugh, part of this too, part of your equation has to be there wasn't a lot of interest in me the last couple of years at the NFL level, right? And so what happens if we're back to four or five losses next year at Michigan? Does my my stock level back off? And then I'm approaching 60 years old. And how many more shots am I going to have at getting back to the league? Because I do think to some degree, like losing in the Super Bowl to his brother – I, I think that's another thing. Like, the doubt there for him is chasing a Super Bowl championship. So, what Albert Briere is saying is, yeah, it's not only potentially my last chance at this, if you're Jim Harbaugh, it's also, I finally put myself in a position to maybe get this chance, and I should probably get out while I have some momentum on my side. I think what I'm trying to say is that Yeah, I think Jim Harbaugh is definitely going to make himself available to at least talk with NFL teams. And I would probably lean towards Jim Harbaugh is not at Michigan next year. That's just the way I'm feeling about this. So then that begs the question, Jim Harbaugh, who is a massive money signing at Michigan, going back to his alma mater, a guy who I thought was going to be a home run, There was no way he wasn't going to close the gap on Ohio State. There was no way he wasn't going to compete for Big Ten titles every single year. It didn't turn out like that, right? And now he's looking to head back to the NFL. And I think that this is a sensical thing for many people. Myself, Cole Kubelik, Albert Breer, a lot of you. So... That begs the question, did Jim Harbaugh actually succeed at Michigan? Was Jim Harbaugh actually a success at Michigan? Hell yeah, he was a success at Stanford. That goes without saying. I mean, he built that, that, that program from nothing into 12-1 in his final year. But he never really was able to match that type of success at Michigan. Let's go through Jim Harbaugh's records at Michigan. 2015, first year, 10 and 3, lost to Ohio State. 2016, 10 and 3, lost to Ohio State. 2017, 8 and 5, lost to Ohio State. 2018, 10 and 3, lost to Ohio State. 2019, 9 and 4, lost to Ohio State. 2020, 2 and 4, lost to Ohio State. Restructured contract so he didn't get fired. Finally in 2021, 12 and 2, Big 10 championship did beat Ohio State but think about Michigan one of the storied college football programs beating Ohio State for some 
is more important than the actual end result. And Jim Harbaugh only did that once. And in the other games, he largely was blown the hell out. I mean, not competitive. I mean, throttled. For the exception of one other game, and the win this year, finally, the first time that Michigan did it since 2011, it was beaten up bad. Urban Meyer owned him. Ryan Day owned him up until this year. Was Jim Harbaugh's success at Michigan? Is Jim Harbaugh potentially going to the NFL actually after not doing the job that many thought he was going to be able to do, that he thought he was going to be able to do, that Michigan thought he was going to be able to do? One good season by Michigan standards, and he would leave for the NFL. Did he actually succeed? Was he a success at Michigan? And I say yes, based on one sole metric. And Josh Cohen tweeted about it earlier to me. And he's right. He left Michigan better than the way he found it. It took a while. And it was frustrating. And it seemed like it wasn't going to come. But Jim Harbaugh appears as if he's leaving Michigan better than he found it. And that, to me, automatically qualifies him as a success. But with the money he was initially paid and the pomp and circumstance that surrounded his hiring at Michigan, I think there's a case to be made that because it took him so long to get that going at that place, that's a brand in college football, and he's leaving after one good year by Michigan standards, leaves a little bit to be desired. Me? I'm simple. I'm simple. Leave it better than how you found it. And that's what Jim Harbaugh did. I say he was a success at Michigan if he takes off for the NFL, which appears as if it's probably going to happen. Was Jim Harbaugh, the great Jim Harbaugh, the offensive mastermind Jim Harbaugh, the quarterback whisperer Jim Harbaugh, the known entity at a brand like Michigan, was he a success? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Again, 888-760-3776. And tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. Was Jim Harbaugh a success at Michigan? And I know I'm speaking in the past tense. Kenny's still a head coach in Michigan. I know that. I know that. But the more and more we hear, the more that this gets momentum behind it, doesn't it feel like this is a probability? Like, doesn't it feel like it was so taxing and so arduous to even get to this point at Michigan where you finally beat Ohio State? And look at what you saw in the Rose Bowl. Ohio State has receivers for days. I mean, Ohio State has their, like, eighth or ninth string guys who have numbers in the 90s during practice that are able to come in and start catching balls on your backside. Like, Ohio State is good. C.J. Stroud is good. All those guys are coming back. It sort of feels like Jim Harbaugh at this point is, is thinking, you know what, I got my one win over Ohio State. I got my program to a playoff. I'm going to hedge on people saying, you know what, good job, Jimbo, and I'm going to get out of Ann Arbor. Because also, what is the ceiling at Michigan? I mean, do you really think, look what happened when Michigan went against the second best team in the SEC. That game was over immediately. We talked about it yesterday. The game was over immediately. 
They couldn't compete physically, from a speed perspective, from a talent perspective. On a different planet. I mean, a lot of you want to focus on Cincinnati and how the group of five just couldn't hang with Alabama because there were so many differences in every aspect of the game. What about Michigan? They didn't look like they belonged more than Cincinnati didn't look like they belonged. So maybe Jim Harbaugh sees the writing on the wall and is ready to bail. He did his thing. He was able to, to, to get his one check mark in the win column over Ohio State, get his one Big Ten championship, and now he's out. So it feels like it's going to happen. It feels like it's going to happen. And it feels like it's business sense, good business sense if it does happen. But what about at Michigan? What is his legacy at Michigan? I say success because he left it or will be leaving it better than how he found it. And he broke a streak of 10 years without beating Ohio State. Think about that. The most storied rivalry in college football turned into the equivalent of the Packers and Bears, where the Bears never beat the Packers, where Aaron Rodgers, as he so clearly conveyed it to Bears fans, I own you. I bleeping own you. I've always owned you. Well, Ohio State owned Michigan for a decade in the most storied rivalry in college football. And finally, Harbaugh got his. You know what? That, to me, that's a success. That's a success. That works. I mean, Rich Rod went 15-22. and 22. Brady Hoke, 31-20. Jim Harbaugh got a lot more time than those two coaches did. But Harbaugh ends up going 61-24. and 61-24. and 24. It's a winning percentage of 71.8. Now, Lloyd Carr, 75.3. Bo Schembechler, 79.6. So we're definitely not calling Harbaugh the greatest coach in Michigan history. But it seems like, right? It seems like he left Michigan in a better place than he found it. It seems like it, right? With one win over Ohio State in six different or seven different tries. It seems like it, right? Was Jim Harbaugh's success at Michigan, if he leaves, if he goes to the NFL, was Jim Harbaugh's success at Michigan? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. Or is he just sort of bailing on something that previously you would think that's a lifetime job, right? Like that's a the Michigan job, the vaunted Michigan job. This sort of flies in the face of everything we thought about a college football gig. If Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan for the NFL and Brian Kelly left Notre Dame for LSU, what do we know about college football anymore? Is, is there anything anymore in college football that can be deemed a lifetime job? Nick Saban's made Alabama a lifetime job, but if it's not Nick Saban, is Alabama actually a lifetime job? Is there any job in college football that you get it and you've reached the peak of your coaching life any longer? I don't think so. Think about it. We could, in one offseason, have Brian Kelly bolting Notre Dame for LSU and Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan to go to the NFL after Jim Harbaugh already had an NFL career. Leaving Michigan after a single successful season. 
And again, I think he ends up being a success because he had a successful season at Michigan. I think that that thing was in dire straits after Rich Rod and Brady Hope. But also, this is the same Michigan that used to beat Ohio State every single year. They used to win national championships. They used to compete for national championships. I suppose getting to the playoff suggests that you competed for a national championship, but I think getting blown out the way they did in the playoff makes you question whether or not they were that close to competing for a national championship. But if Jim Harbaugh, who had to drag Michigan to this point, and it took him seven seasons, says, you know what, I'm good going to the NFL now. Like, does that mean that that, that there's no longer any college football coaching job that is actually, like, it for somebody? That's actually the end-all, be-all of somebody's career? I don't, I don't know anymore. I don't think there's a single job that could qualify. Because if Jim Harbaugh is headed back to the NFL, potentially, I mean, wouldn't Ryan Day leave Ohio State to go take an NFL job? I mean, I think that's an easy decision, right? Brian Kelly is going to take sacks of cash from LSU, leaving Notre Dame. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing that's a lifetime appointment anymore in college football. Jim Harbaugh, if he leaves, and I think it's going to happen, if he leaves Michigan, does he leave Michigan a success? A guy who was a home run, sure thing, doing all these quirky things in the offseason, being cocky, saying he's going to beat Ohio State, bringing Michigan back to glory. Did he bring Michigan back to glory? Now, that's probably a different discussion than did he succeed at Michigan? Did he actually bring Michigan back to glory? Because that, I don't think so. I don't think you can have one year of going to the playoff and say, oh, we're glorious again. We're Lloyd Carr's Michigan. And I don't think so. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. We're Bo Schembechler's Michigan. And I don't think so. But did he succeed? It took him a hell of a long time. But he got there. I thought it would be a lot shorter path for him, but he got there. What do you say? Did Jim Harbaugh, if he goes to the NFL, actually succeed at Michigan? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. Get to your calls in a second, but I got to tell you about the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. You are going to succeed with the FAU MBA Sport Management Program because for 22 years, Dr. Jim Reardon, the man in charge, he has been guiding teaching and preparing the sports professionals, the sports executives of tomorrow. That could be you. If you've wanted to get into sports and you haven't known the path, well, I'm telling you it right now. This is your cheat code. You listen to me? You get your MBA in sport management at Florida Atlantic? I'm telling you, you're attractive to employers. And that's the biggest hurdle. They notice you, and then they're willing to listen. And then they're willing to talk. That's how the corporate world works. That's how the sports world works. And you got to know people. And knowing Dr. Jim Reardon, that's important. The internships that Dr. Jim Reardon's been able to open up to his students, that's important. That's how you make eye contact. That's how you shake hands. That's how you exchange numbers. And that's how you get in the sports industry. FAU.edu slash MBA sport. The FAU MBA sport management program. Internationally renowned. Hemisphere to hemisphere. They know the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Sign up for summer semester remote courses now. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. That's FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program, the title sponsor 
of Ken Levick Alive. Luke kicks us off on Jim Harbaugh. Luke is in West Palm. What's going on, Luke? Hey, guys. So, so Jim Harbaugh is not leaving, but it's looking like he is. So you think he – wait. So he's not leaving. No, no, I'm, I'm asking you. Oh, he's oh. not leaving because I heard this news. I'm getting out of the store, and I, I thought he left. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm just okay. reacting off of the athletic report from yesterday. Yeah, okay. but I, what my point is, Luke, is that it, it feels like it. Like, it, it. If this is, if there was a time, it would be now. And I'm sure Jim Harbaugh has his eyes on the NFL, and I think it would be kind of dumb not to. That, that's my point. On I think so. I think so. You only live one life. And growing up in South Florida as a young person, six years old, I elected to be a 49er fan, and I stuck with them. Yep. So when Jim Harbaugh came. It was fun, and now it's been fun watching him lose because I also went to Ohio State. Ah. So Jim Harbaugh can take a bad team, and he can make them pretty good, and he can make a pretty good team and make them really good. But he hasn't been able to put anyone on the, over the top. And I can ha- count on my fingers how many times Urban Meyer and Ryan Day's lost a football game the past 10 years, mm-hmm. but Jim Harbaugh's lost 24 games. And he dealt the same card. So I don't see him taking anyone to a Super Bowl, but to go somewhere like the Bears, which I'm sure would be nice for him to go back there, I see him taking that bad team and making them good, making them a playoff team. So let his shelf life for his coaching is probably five years well, before it gets old. And I think that there's a personality reason for that, too. And so, Luke, let me ask you, with your Buckeye goggles on, was Jim Harbaugh a success for your rivals, for your Michigan rivals? Do you think that finally beating Ohio State, winning a Big Ten championship, though it took him seven years to do so, uh, was he a success at Michigan? I don't think he was a success. And it's the last 20 years Michigan's won three games against Ohio State. But with him at that program, you know, even though the Big Ten, Ohio State, is the Big Ten, like, Alabama's the SEC. I can't call it success because he didn't win any playoff games and he'd only beat Ohio State once. Luke, appreciate the call. That's pretty succinct, and that's what I was saying. Uh, that that was my my potential hypothetical rebuttal to me thinking he's a success. But that's also me really undervaluing the Michigan program, right? Like I'm really disrespecting the Michigan program by calling Jim Harbaugh success. That's how little I actually feel about the Michigan program now. Location, not desirable. Conference, I'm a Big Ten fan. I grew up in Big Ten country. But year after year, I continue to think that that thing is overrated. Ohio State is consistently the only team that can actually maybe hang. And only because they're the only team that's shown it. As soon as any other team... Gets into the playoff, whether it be Michigan, whether it be Michigan State. And that's a big fat L that gets tossed on the plate. So I'm undervaluing the Michigan program. Now, they got a ton of money. They got a ton of money. They got the Jordan brand. They're still cool, I think. But think about it. The great Jim Harbaugh quarterback master, he needed to completely refine the offense into a grinded-out running attack as opposed to what he actually wanted to do which was a passing attack. And therein lies the problem with Michigan. To me, is that I don't think you can recruit great skill players to Michigan. Somehow, Ohio State's found the way. They have the cheat code, but they're the only team in the Big Ten that can really do that. Michigan hasn't been able to do that. 
Not even Jim Harbaugh was able to do that. But I still think he was able to grind his way to success. If he does go back to the NFL, you consider his time at Michigan a success. But man, this dude is polarizing. He is polarizing, and I get that. What do you think? If Jim Harbaugh leaves Michigan, the great, wise, sage, Super Bowl coach, Big Ten champion Jim Harbaugh, was he a success at Michigan if he leaves? After one good year, by all standards? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. Again, that's 888-760-3776. We'll get to your tweets on the other side as well. We're here on a Wednesday. Got you until 2 o'clock, two-hour edition. Ken Levick, I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Lavica. So, forget putting a name on it. Forget putting a name on it. If I told you that someone in seven years as a head coach beat their rival once and won one conference championship, would you consider that a success? I think this is what it comes down to. If you were a head coach for seven years at one place, or you were a fan of a team, of a college program that had a head coach for seven years, and they beat your rival once, and they won one conference championship, is that a success? And that is the conversation about Jim Harbaugh. And it all revolves around what you feel about the Michigan program, or what you felt about the Michigan program, or how you feel about Jim Harbaugh. I tend to err on the side of support Jim Harbaugh because I think he is a, a good coach or at least has good coaching sense. I liked him a little bit better as an NFL coach than I did second time around as a college coach. But the fact that he finally he finally was able to beat Ohio State for the first time since 2011, that's significant enough, right? Like that, that's, that's significant enough. The last Michigan coach... To beat Ohio State was Brady Hope. Now, you could also argue the fact that Jim Harbaugh has as many wins over as Ohio State as Brady Hope does, that's a little bit of a problem. But I tend to think Jim Harbaugh was a success at Michigan. If he leaves for the NFL, I think he was successful at Michigan because, simply put, he left it better than he found it. He left it better than he found it. And that's by going to the college football playoff. That's by winning the Big Ten. That's by beating Ohio State. If Jim Harbaugh leaves, if he goes to the NFL, if he takes over another team for another go at it, another chance at a Super Bowl, was he a success at Michigan? We're talking about one of the blue blood college football programs. We're talking about glorious college football program. We're talking about a program that, in a previous life, expected national championships. Has he brought it back? Is it back? Now, I don't think it's back to its glory like I knew it when I was growing up in Big Ten country. But I think there's a difference between that and being a success. I think Jim Harbaugh was a Michigan success, but man, did it take him a while. Was Jim Harbaugh, if he leaves, Jim Harbaugh a success at Michigan? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. As always, tweeted us at ESPN West Palm, but again, 888 760 
3776. Uh, if you go to Twitter at ESPN West Palm as well, uh, we talked about Crocs yesterday because uh, Christina Costanza is the only human being on the planet who is excited about getting Crocs for the holidays. Uh, and uh, I personally think that the only people that wear Crocs are kindergartners, uh, people that the pandemic has sucked the life out of, and old people that have given up on life. Those are the three aspects of human being that wears Crocs. But Tina, at the fresh young age of 24 years old, is extremely excited uh, about Crocs. Um, So uh, she yesterday defended her excitement about Crocs, and she came in today because she wore her Crocs to the office. She wore her Crocs to the office. The only people that wear Crocs to work are nurses and kitchen workers. Yet here's Tina in the sports talk radio industry wearing Crocs to work. And she confronted me about her Crocs in the ESPN West Palm studios, and it was caught on tape. So check that out at ESPN West Palm, at ESPN West Palm, Stina Costanza and her Crocs. Jim Harbaugh's success at Michigan, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. And again, tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. Maybe I'm just Harbaugh biased, but I think that if he leaves, if it truly is past tense, and I've been referring to it in the past tense, but it just makes sense that he would go to the NFL now. I mean, what, what is the ultimate accomplishment at Michigan? Are you going to win a national championship there? I don't know. Seven years, one Big Ten title. One win over Ohio State. I mean, he did provide at least a first, a first in a decade beating Ohio State. I think that's a success. I think that ends up him being a a success. I know he came in heralded. I know he came in with a ton of money. He had to take a pay cut because he previously wasn't getting the job done to the satisfaction of the Michigan fan base and Michigan administration. But I still think it's a success. Another reason I say that too, think about it. How many people would just fold in on themselves if they basically were confronted by their boss after a bad season who said, hey, you give us back some money or we're going to get rid of you. That's how we feel about your job performance. That's pretty damning, right? That would certainly have an adverse effect on a lot of people. If Stephanie Prince walked in here after today's show and said, hey, you got to give back a portion of the salary that you're making because we just don't think the show is good enough. And you have two weeks to figure it out. You know what? I probably wouldn't handle that particularly well. I bet I would probably cave in on myself. And that's sort of the football equivalent what Jim Harbaugh went through. And what did he do? He just ground his way to a Big Ten title. That's why I think it's a success. Because it's interesting. And because it's tough-mindedness. Was his body of work what Michigan fans thought what I thought no but did he accomplish a goal yeah I think that makes him a success but maybe I'm letting him off too easy if Jim Harbaugh leaves was he a success at Michigan 888-760-3776 888-760-3776 and tweeted us at ESPN West Palm let's go to Boca that's where Lonzo is Lonzo you're on Ken Levick Alive what's up Lonzo hey good afternoon happy new year to all you guys you too buddy no in perspective of Jim Harbaugh, when, and I'm a blue blood Michigan fan, bleed it every day. Okay. And going in, knowing we were getting Harbaugh, knowing that it was going to be rebuild for a few years because 
the recruiting was going to Ohio State, Wisconsin for a while there, and other Big Ten teams were really coming around, Michigan State, so it was getting a little tougher. So when he came in, he was behind the eight ball. But you also have, you know, he's had several 10-win seasons. Yeah. And a lot of programs would be just thrilled to death with several 10-win seasons packed into seven years. And if you go back Bo Schembechler's time, 20 years, he never won a national championship. And there's a, there's a statue outside of Michigan Stadium <laughs> of Bo. And he did win his first game against Woody. And Harbaugh should have won one of those games, but we got the bad call on That's the first down. very true. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's been pretty solid. I, I'm happy with him as a diehard Michigan fan. And I think it's, you know, he's finally starting to get the recruits that Alabama would get, that Clemson would get, Georgia, some of these other schools that have been up there in the, in the playoffs the last few years. But I think a lot of schools are seeing that it's, there's new blood in the college playoff now. So it's open now. I can go anywhere. Lonzo, Why let me not ask go to you, Michigan? I'm curious, you being a Michigan fan then, uh, just, just because I'm curious, would you feel ill will towards Harbaugh if after the Big Ten championship he then decided to go back to the NFL? You as a diehard Michigan fan, do you get angry if that happens? Um, I don't know if I would be angry. I would be leery about who else is out there that could keep things back up to the level that Harbaugh has now brought it up to. And we've had one hell of a recruiting class the last couple of years, and would they be able to keep that going? I would wish Jim great success in the NFL. You've earned it. You've already been there. You were successful then. Um, but I, I think him leaving it in, like you said, much better shape than it was when he got there, I don't think I would have that bad of ill will toward him. Lonzo, appreciate the insight. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. If he leaves, if he leaves, because I, I don't want to mislead people like he's already left. I was doing that in the past tense early in the show. But if he leaves, because it feels like it could probably happen, based on the initial report from The Athletic that Jim Harbaugh, there are many at Michigan and many in the NFL that think that Jim Harbaugh could go back to the NFL in just a couple of weeks' time. Was he a success at Michigan? Again, seven years, one Big Ten championship, one win over Ohio State. But, that's better than his predecessors, other than Brady Hoke, who had the win over Ohio State. 2011. Jim Harbaugh's success in Michigan, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. How about this, by the way? Let's play some college football coaching carousel hypothetical. And I want Friday Night Lights to hear this. How about Luke Fickle if Jim Harbaugh leaves? How about Luke Fickle at Michigan? Wouldn't that be a curveball? Everybody says, oh, well, Luke Fickle, uh, he would just wait for Ryan Day, see what Ryan Day does at Ohio State. What if Luke Fickle went to Michigan? Now, that would be hot. And that would drive Ohio State fans crazy. And it might be worth it just to see that happen. Want to know why? Because I'm petty. 
Jim Harbaugh, was he a success at Michigan? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Let's go to West Palm. That's where Vinny is. What's up, Vin? Before I jump into him, Jim Harbaugh, I just want to say one thing. If ESPN is making any cutbacks or asking money back, they better not ask it of you. <laughs> we all know that Josh Cohen is well overpaid. He can take some take a hit. Just joking, Josh, if you're listening. Uh <laughs> As far as Harbaugh, I honestly believe he has been very successful. It's a different dynamic than it was college football five years ago, even yeah. ten years oh, ago. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely made that team more competitive from just coming in um, uh, as far as ranking with recruits, and that shows up always on on the um, field. You know, what was Michigan uh, um, fans really looking for? Uh, multiple championships? I mean, come on. Everybody's going against the gorilla right now, Alabama. Uh-huh. But I, I could see a tide turning where, uh, you know, the I think it's the NIL is what it's called, yep. Yep. Um, is going to change the dynamics of those, those powerhouses to just draw only the best players there. Now other colleges can get these players to come there and they can start to really compete. The fact that they actually competed against Ohio State, which I would have said is the top four team in the country every year, and finally – went over that hump against them is alone enough to show that they're on the right path. Yeah. The thing I'm worried about with Harbaugh, you know, he never won a championship, and if that's how you're going to hold him towards, I know you're not, but the fans, if that's the only thing you're going to hold him towards to show that, that um, he you know, was successful, then I think they're doing themselves a disjustice because there's only one team every year that comes across that, and right now we're all fighting that, that you know, 1,000-pound gorilla uh, Alabama. It's just a, it's a monster. They, they just recruit like crazy, and it's really hard to beat them. Yep. But it's going to take some time. And I bet if he gave it enough time, sooner or later he would be able. But if he goes to the NFL, it can't, can't uh, go against them because literally it, college football is so different now. I totally get it that he wouldn't want to be putting in that time. I don't even see Urban wanting to ever come back, and we know all his issues. Oh, but yeah. if he didn't have those issues, I don't even think he would want to come back with the, the problem child that you have to deal with. But these guys are jumping ship left and right. Ben, appreciate you. Uh, so with Harbaugh, uh, hearing hearing Vin uh, make his uh, give out his take there, he Vin is totally right. Like Harbaugh going to the NFL, it, it's probably in the off seasons. It's easier. It's going to be easier. You've got to really love, love, love coaching and everything that comes with it if you're going to be a college coach now, because it's no longer just get ready for spring ball, get ready for fall ball. This is a year-long thing. Evan said it yesterday in his 11.55 show here on ESPN 106.3 that college football is better because of transfers and better because of NIL because there's never an offseason anymore. And you know what? Me as a fan and me as someone as a broadcaster in college football, I love it too. That's why I love the NBA is it's never an offseason. That's why I love the NFL because there's never an offseason. Major League Baseball used to be exciting in the offseason. Now it's just a snore. I mean, I even have a season at this point. But it's better. But you better love coaching. If you're a head coach, you better love it. You better love every aspect of it. You better embrace it. That's why I think Florida, even though it wasn't splashy, getting Billy Napier, that was a good call because that dude lives for every aspect of college football coaching. He wants the NIL. He wants the transfer portal. He wants to recruit. He wants to coach on Saturdays. He wants to coach on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's why I think Billy Napier is a good hire. Not splashy, not flashy, but that dude wants to get after it. That's why I like it. 
I think Florida got, did a really good job with that. Jim Harbaugh, is he a success at Michigan? Another point that Vin made, everybody's chasing Alabama, and that's still going to be the case until Saban either A, retires, or B, falls flat and has a, has a cardiac event on the field. I mean, he might go Supreme Court justice and have that job until he dies at this rate. Nobody's touching him. He's the best coach, and he's the best recruiter. And he set up a program that recruits itself. Okay? So there's a lot of delusion in college football. A lot of delusion. Well, my team is this. My team can be this. Until Alabama loses Saban, no, you can't. And no, you aren't. The only teams to unlock Saban Alabama, as we know it now, is one team, Clemson. That's it. That's it. And Georgia is going to once again succumb to Nick Saban in the national championship game. Which, by the way, can we stop playing the national title game on like February 40th? I mean, come on. Let's just play it already, please. Please, 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 please. We'll continue on with your calls about Jim Harbaugh. We'll get to him on the other side. Jim Harbaugh, was he a success in Michigan? If he leaves, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. I want to tell you about Pat Lawler, Lawler & Associates Personal Injury Attorneys. We will chat with him on Friday, our sports agent insider, our sports law insider. He also is the finest personal injury attorney out there. Him and all the folks at Lawler & Associates Personal Injury Attorneys, they have your back. They want you to get the compensation you deserve. Lawler & Associates Personal Injury Attorneys want to lawyerup.com for your free consultation. We're talking automobile accident. We're talking boating accident. We're talking slip and fall. We're talking motorcycle accident, personal injury. It's a scary situation to be in if you're hurt and you know you were wronged. That's where Lawler & Associates comes in. Lawler & Associates Personal Injury Attorneys, they've got your back. WantToLawyerUp.com for your free consultation. That's WantToLawyerUp.com. Jim Harbaugh, was he a success at Michigan? If he leaves, was he a success at Michigan? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. We'll get back to you when we return. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken LaVica. I need to, and Friday Night Lights, you need to remind me, before we hit 2 o'clock, we've got to talk about Harbaugh and the NFL hypothetical. The Dolphins are there. The Dolphins are a part of this. And Evan Cohen at 11.55 today made a point, and this is what Evan does. Uh, I think, you know what? I got a pretty good thing going here. I think I got some pretty good angles. I think I have some good sports thoughts. And then Evan says something, and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's the master. I never even thought about that. But he said something at 11.55 about the Dolphins and Harbaugh. That at least made me pause a little bit. And I, I want to I replay it here in the second hour, okay? Not right now. We'll do it in the second hour. But just remind me, we got to get to this. Jim Harbaugh is what we're starting off with here uh, on this Wednesday on Ken Levick Alive. If he leaves, if the athletic report is correct, Bruce Feldman, that Jim Harbaugh could be out the door at Michigan, not because he's fired, but because he leaves under his own volition, and heads back to the NFL, did he end up being a success at Michigan? Was that successful? And again, I'll give you the numbers. I'll give you the stats. Seven years, one win over Ohio State, one championship, one Big Ten championship. Was Jim Harbaugh's success at 
Michigan. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And again, on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. Was Jim Harbaugh a success at Michigan? I uh, said we'd get to social media. I thought I was going to do it a little bit earlier. Let's go ahead and do it now. Uh, Mike Hirsch tweets, nope, not a success. So this is what's tough is other than Alabama or Clemson or Georgia, does anybody really have a chance to win a national championship? Can anybody end up climbing into that shell? And Clemson this year, they won 10 games. And people are acting like Clemson's lost it. Because it wasn't the Clemson of Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence. Like, that's what's crazy. Ten wins. Oklahoma, disappointing season. Lost our coach. Ten wins. Bob Stoops came back from his tequila ranch and coached him to a bowl game win. That's good still. What are the standards? What are the standards that we're holding college football coaches to? So I just don't know if it's fair to say uh, it took Jim Harbaugh seven years to do it. And I, again, I know, I know I'm one of them that had heavy expectations for him. I mean, high expectations. I mean, right off the bat, kicking Urban Meyer in the crotch and saying, I got you. Go maize and blue. And it didn't turn out like that. Urban roundly destroyed him. But he did eventually win a Big Ten championship going against the offensive style he actually wanted to play. Now, there's something to be said about that, right? Josh Brinzo, my boys at Stormhouse Brewing, he tweets, nope, not a success. Man, those are some, this is some really heavy expectations. Now, Josh is a Baylor fan, and so Dave Aranda, he's got one conference championship, just as many as Jim Harbaugh does. So is Dave Aranda so, so, so far a success at Baylor? Because I would argue Baylor had some national success before Michigan did in this recent era. More success for that matter. I don't know. And then, of course, there's, there's Josh Cohen. Josh Cohen, the home team, 4 to five fifty-five every day here on ESPN 106.3. I've always felt that if you leave the organization better off than it, it was when you arrived, you've succeeded. And that's sort of the tact I take. I agree with Josh on that one. Yeah. He left it better than how he, how he found it, even though it took him seven years. Jim Harbaugh, success at Michigan? 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. The listening lunch is on the way. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Lavica. <laughs> Arguably the greatest athlete in the world right now. Looks like he's not playing at one of the premier events in his sport. I'll get to that in just a second. Listing lunch a couple of minutes away. A reminder, this is the brand new lineup on ESPN 106.3. No longer is it Barton Hahn at 1 o'clock. It is me. It is me at 1 o'clock. Hour 2 
of Ken Levick alive in my cast of characters here on ESPN 106.3. Friday Night Lights, Stone Lebanowitz, Theo Dorsey, Mondays and Tuesdays. Wednesdays, you're not Javier, though she is, uh, she's, uh, she's not here today. We're hoping she's going to be good to go uh, on Wednesday. Keely Ferguson, Pierre Garçon, that's right, that Pierre Garçon, all of them a part of Ken Levick alive. Two hours, 12 to 2 every single day. Middays here on ESPN 106.3. And the new time for Josh Cohen and the home team with Dean Thomas and Tina 4 to 5.55 every day here on ESPN 106.3. And then a double dose of Evan Cohen, 11.55 right before me. And 5.55 right after the home team here on ESPN West Palm. Uh, so this is just breaking. Yesterday we found out that Novak Djokovic, who is famously unvaccinated, he has been very vocal about the fact that he is unvaccinated. He is on the precipice. He is one Grand Slam win away from having the most Grand Slams of any player in the history of tennis. More than Roger Federer, more than Rafael Nadal. Djokovic got a medical exemption into the Australian Open yesterday. Problem is, the country of Australia, you need to be vaccinated to get in. Or you need a a legitimate medical exemption from a doctor. Well, guess what Novak Djokovic doesn't have? A vaccine shot or a doctor-issued medical exemption and guess what happened today this from the daily beast novak djokovic has reportedly been refused entry to australia following a national outpouring of rage over his vaccine mandate exception the world number one tennis player arrived in melbourne on wednesday after securing a medical exemption to the australian open covid19 vaccine mandate a decision that infuriated a nation where over 90 percent of adults have been vaccinated yet some still can't travel internationally or from state to state For now, Djokovic and his chances at playing in the Australian Open are dwindling. That's pretty significant. I mean, Novak Djokovic going for history, and he might not even get to play in the tournament. Here's what I think about it. I know it's politically charged. I know it's socially charged. Here is when it comes to the vaccines and it comes to sports where I stand on it. Novak Djokovic moved around, and he found out. Simple as that. It wasn't pretty simple to get one shot, two shot, you're good. One shot, two shot, you're good. That's the way I feel about it. He moved around, and he found out. And now he's probably not playing in the Australian Open. And I'm a massive Novak Djokovic fan. I've been rooting for him to break this record. I was not a happy fan when he lost the U.S. Open final. But you know what? It's impossible to defend him with this because this has been a year and a half and months and months and months of this nonsense from him. And that's what it is. It's nonsense from him. There's no reason for it not to happen. As an athlete who bounces country to country to play, that's his livelihood is going country to country. And it's selfish. And it's stupid. And you know what? Good. Good. I hope this is a lesson learned for Novak Djokovic. I hope he doesn't play in the Australian Open. Because this was an easy fix, and he's stubborn, and this was an easy, easy, easy fix for him. So you know what? At this point, suffer, and we'll see you at the French Open. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Jim Harbaugh. We're going to get back to it because I want to talk about the NFL prospects uh, for, for Jim Harbaugh in a moment. We're going to get the listening lunch in a couple of seconds as well. But I needed to tell all of you this because this is, I don't know if this is peak fatherhood, but this is maybe 
the most unlikely situation I found myself in with kids. So uh, Brian Rowitz, Brian McLovin Rowitz, and and his wife Lisa, they got my my oldest daughter Adeline, my five year old, a a Tamagotchi for Christmas. Now you might be wondering what what is a Tamagotchi? For those of you my age, I'm 37 years old. You know what a Tamagotchi is. You remember when we were like junior high, high school. It's those digipets. It's basically a digipet. Tamagotchi is a digipet where you've got a, a little tiny handheld device and it's a little animal and you feed it and it poops and you clean it up. It gets sick and you give it medicine. You try and keep it alive. Sometimes it dies and it turns into an angel and you get very, very sad. Uh, but the Tamagotchi is still a thing. Tamagotchi still exist. And so the Rowitzes got my, my daughter, Addie, uh, a, a Tamagotchi. So... She's, of course, obsessed with it now, feeding it, walking around the house. It beeps at like three in the morning to, to, to have poop cleaned up. Like, I thought these Tamagotchis were supposed to sleep. I'm about to whip it out the window. But what it's turned into, the Tamagotchi's not allowed at school. She can't bring it to school. She got caught with it on Monday, and her kindergarten teacher told her, no more. You can't bring it in your backpack. So for the last two days, me yesterday and my wife today, we're babysitting this thing so it doesn't die. That's right. My wife and I, parents of two young girls, are now additionally babysitting a digipet. So yesterday I forgot it in my car. So I spent, what, like eight hours in the office yesterday, got into my car. It had pooped three times. It was sick. I damn near killed it. So I'm in my car before I leave our parking garage. By the way, sixth floor in the sun. Shout out Phillips Point. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in my car and I'm having to take care of this Tamagotchi, this Digipet, before it dies and before my daughter hates me forever. So then this morning, of course, my daughter's carrying around, getting ready for school, carrying around the Tamagotchi, carrying around the Digipet, beeping, 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 feeding it, playing with it, whatever. She gets, I, I drop them off at school. I, I'm the one who drives the girls to school. She walks up to my wife, my daughter does, with the digipet, looks her square in the eyes and goes, okay, mama, this is your responsibility today. Hands it to her, turns around, walks out the door. What is our life? What is that? Like, I, I almost feel like it's reducing me as a human being. That I am now, I'm now babysitting. I am watching a Tamagotchi for my five-year-old daughter. And there's pressure. Like, there's legitimate pressure. If I kill this thing, how do I come back from that? How do I bounce back from that? I'm not only the hated parent, I'm like, hated forever. I've killed the digipet. So, man, there's pressure on this thing. But I never thought, in the year of our Lord, 2022, if you had asked me 10 years ago, hey, Ken, in 2022, you're going to be a father to two daughters and you're going to be babysitting their digipet? I would have laughed in your face and taken another shot of tequila. Yet here I am. This is my life now. The two daughters and, and I'm being forced to babysit their digipet so it doesn't die. So there's my life, folks. All right? You think things are a little bit upside down for you? That's just a little insight 
into what I got going on. Ken Levickalai presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. The FAU MBA Sport Management Program. They've been doing it for 22 years. Dr. Jim Reardon, he's the man. FAU.edu slash MBA Sport. All right, Friday Night Lights. Why don't we get ourselves ready for the listening lunch here on ESPN 106.3. The audio bite you have to hear. And then, you know what? We talk about them. Want to know why? Because we're a sports talk radio show. That's why. So let's go back to Monday night. The Packers beat the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers, after the Packers clinched the number one seed in the NFC, he was asked, hey, dude, you going to play next week in the season finale, week 18? This was Aaron Rodgers' response. I don't think I need to play, just like I don't think I need to practice all the time. But I do enjoy practicing. This is the first game that my toe got through the game without any issues. Uh, no pregame uh, painkiller shot. So I'm feeling good. I mean, I'm, I'm happy about it. I, there was definitely a time uh, a few weeks ago when I started to project out and think if we can get the one seed, that could be, you know, two plus weeks of rest. But I'm going to play next week and uh, I expect Devante to play and our guys to play. So we're looking forward to finish off the season on a high note and then uh, getting the bye. All right, let me start with this. If the Packers trot out Aaron Rodgers against the Lions at 1 p.m. on Sunday, Matt LaFleur should be fired immediately. I mean, that would be downright stupid. Aaron Rodgers not only has clinched the number one seed in the NFC, he's also clinched the MVP. Why would you do that? And then let's hear the first couple of seconds again of this Friday Night Lights. Let's hear the first couple of seconds of Aaron Rodgers' response to whether or not he was going to play in Week 18. I don't think I need to play, just like I don't think I need to practice all the time. Oh no, Kirk Herbstreit, he obviously doesn't love the game. That's right. Aaron Rodgers is opting out, or at least suggesting that he's going to opt out of Week 18. And you know what? That's good business. Just like it's good business for a college football player to opt out of a bowl game that can't lead to a championship so that he's good to go when it matters. And when it matters is when it's money-making time. And you want to know when it's money-making time? In games that can lead to championships. That's the postseason in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is right. He shouldn't play. He shouldn't practice all the time. I may have my disagreements with a man who swears by Dr. Joe Rogan and Ivermectin, but I do know from a football standpoint, he flat-out rules. He kicks ass. And with him, the Packers are going to win a Super Bowl. He should not play. He's 100% right. There's no... You've got to think of this in a risk-reward perspective. Like this, this seems like common sense. But there are going to be some that say, oh, well, he's got a, he, he's going to have a, a, a bye week coming up. They've got a bye in the first round of the playoffs, so what if he's rusty? This is Aaron Rodgers. If you're worried about Aaron Rodgers and rust... Like the Packers have bigger problems than that. Okay? Aaron Rodgers will be just fine. Aaron Rodgers should not see the field in any way, shape, or form. Now, what's interesting, when we get to our bright line, fine line tomorrow, we're going to keep an eye on this. But the Packers right now are two and a half point favorite on the road at Detroit. I wonder what happens if the Packers do announce that Aaron Rodgers is out. What happens to that line? Does it shift that much? 
Will it shift that much? Will the Lions become favorites if Aaron Rodgers is declared out? Now, I don't think Aaron Rodgers, again, I feel like this is common sense, but what do I know? I'm just a dope. But Aaron Rodgers absolutely unequivocally, unabashedly should not play. There's no reason for it whatsoever. And Friday Night Lights is telling me that uh, Packers minus two and a half, it's locked up right now. So you can't bet on it because everybody is like us waiting for the the word on Aaron Rodgers. So there's going to be no fluctuation there. There's going to be any money put in. But I would think that we probably know by maybe by showtime tomorrow what the Aaron Rodgers thing is when you get the second uh, injury report of the week. But Aaron, there's no reason for him to play. There's absolutely no reason. It would be stupid. And I know that Hub Arkish was on 670 The Score in Chicago and said that he was not going to uh, to vote for Aaron Rodgers for MVP because he's just a bad guy. Doesn't that sound familiar? Baseball Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about this later in the week. Probably tomorrow. Maybe Friday. But I'm starting to think that maybe the media shouldn't be voting for MVP and Hall of Fame any longer. That's just me. I'm starting to think that there are too many people that are having a tough time delineating between on the field and off the field for me to think that it's a good idea that media votes on these honors any longer. Ken Levick alive here on ESPN 106.3. We're on the free ESPN app, also on your smart speaker. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Siri. Hey, Google. Play ESPN 106.3. We're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport. Listening lunch here on ESPN West Palm, and uh, it was Baker Mayfield announcing yesterday that his season is done. He won't play Week 18. Instead, he's having surgery, and Baker was asked about his injuries, if they hampered him, and what his season was like. It's been really hard, to be honest with you. You know, I can't really sugarcoat that, and there's no way around it. You know, you have to take the extra time to get your body in the best position, you know, to go out on Sundays and try and find ways to win. And, you know, I've that's that's been the most disrupting part of the routine, whether the preparation part where you're watching film and, you know, you have a, a schedule that you stick to throughout the throughout the weeks, but then uh, when these injuries come on, you just have to add more time to the schedule. So it, it feels like a lot on your plate. And, you know, I... I'd say this, I did everything I could to get to the point where I felt comfortable enough to play to where I knew that I would help us win games and be healthy enough to do that. If I felt otherwise, I, you know, I would have told them that I, I couldn't go. Uh, it's just, it's the frustrating part. It's a lot of time on hand to try and get ready, but um, yeah, it's been frustrating, but I had to overcome it. Nobody's going to feel bad for me. That's for sure. Yeah, that is, that is for sure. So the Browns are, are not going to the postseason. Again, they were a, they were a, a sexy pick to win the Super Bowl. I tend to think, and Theo and I went back and forth about this yesterday. I think we're in agreement. I I don't mean back and forth like it was uh, a disagreement. But Baker Baker Mayfield's just, he's not it. I I, I just, we've seen enough of a sample size. Four seasons, injuries or not. Baker Mayfield's not a guy that's going to lead a team to a Super Bowl. And I also, I don't know what else the Browns can put around him. That's the thing. If there were still question marks about what's around him, then I'd still give him the benefit of the doubt. But I think he's had enough. Nick Chubb, Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Njoku. We've seen all those guys. Not to mention, pretty good defense. Miles Garrett. Like I, I don't know what, what more do the Browns need. 
I've seen enough, and I've seen enough of a roster to know that Baker Mayfield just isn't isn't that guy. He just doesn't feel like he's capable of doing it, at least in that location. He's not accurate enough. He's not consistent enough. But at least he cuts a mean commercial, right? I'm not the only one who's saying this, though, and it's clear what's going to happen. And here's the case the Browns are going to try and make. Is, oh, well, the injuries hampered him. But that means pressure's on the next year. Because they're they're keeping him out of week 18 so that he can have surgery immediately and get his body put back together. Because he's Mr. Potato Head right now. He's had his, uh, his, his, his hands ripped off. He's had his legs ripped off. He's lost half his face. So he's going to get all stitched up and he's going to be put back together. And you're going to get a healthy Mr. Potato Baker. Okay? That's the plan. That's at least what mem- some members of the, the Browns organization and what the Baker Mayfield camp is going to say is, oh, well, the injuries hampered him. But he wasn't injured when he was putting up mediocre to bad numbers prior to 2020. Oh, but he was learning then. He was learning. He was learning. It was the learning curve. Okay? I tend to think the Browns would be better off maybe making the decision to part ways from Baker Mayfield. I don't know the chances of that happening, but I think that the Browns are better if they decide to start over at the quarterback position. And I'm going to throw a curveball at you here, uh, Friday Night Lights, but Keyshawn Johnson was... On ESPN 106.3, as he always is every morning, 6 to 10 here on ESPN West Palm, uh, where it's Max Kellerman, Jay Will, Keyshawn Johnson, and Keyshawn leaning a little bit towards me in his thoughts on Baker Mayfield. I think you saw the future go bye-bye. You've seen the last of Baker Mayfield in the Cleveland Browns uniform. Now, they've got to figure out with that $19 million fifth-year option, who's willing to take that on? If they're not willing to take it on and have him sit uh, as the number two guy and still pay $19 million, somebody else may take it on and look at it as an opportunity to pick up some draft picks along with that in a trade. But I think you've seen the, the last of him, partly due to injury, not being able to stay healthy, subpar play this year, subpar play at the beginning of last year, Although he's had, you know, different offensive coordinators and head coaches, it's clear to see that he's probably not the quarterback leading you to where you want to go, which is the Super Bowl. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I don't agree with everything Keyshawn says. I think I probably disagree more with Keyshawn than I do agree with Keyshawn. But he's right. Because it's not just the eye test. And I know that drives people crazy, the eye test. But there are times that I just look at him and it's so limited. It feels so limited. And again, it's because he's had weapons. He's had things around him. He's had an offensive line. He's had an overwhelming defense. And he's had four years. And it's still, it hasn't improved appreciably. That's the biggest issue. It hasn't improved appreciably. Not his QBR, not his rating, not his completion percentage, not his touchdown passes. One year of, did did the Browns win more compared to what they were winning with him as quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, 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 they did. But I feel like the Browns have greater aspirations than that, right? Right? I guess more than just, oh, make the playoffs once every 12 years, right? So if you want to get to that next level, I don't I just, I don't think Baker is that that guy. I agree with Keyshawn. Because it's, it's not only that he doesn't pass the eye test, but for those of you who love numbers, 
He doesn't pass the analytic test either. He doesn't pass the stat test either. And it seems like he doesn't pass the locker room test either. I mean, he's never been one to uh, mute himself when it comes to commenting on play calls or offensive situations. I don't know if there were enough members of that coaching staff or that locker room that would say, we need Baker Mayfield. I think they're probably best served just moving on. But you can bet the Baker Mayfield camp is going to say, oh, but he's been injured. He's been injured. And that's the tact to get him inked in that fifth-year option. Ken LaVica live here on ESPN 106.3. I am, well, Ken LaVica. We're presented by the FAU MBA Sport Management Program, fau.edu slash MBA Sport, the FAU MBA Sport Management Program. Evan Cohen, you hear him twice daily here on ESPN 106.3, 11.55 in the AM, 5.55 p.m. Double dose of Evan here on ESPN West Palm. And Evan's 11.55 was based on Harbaugh. Evan, like me, is a Jim Harbaugh fan. We're pro-Harbaugh. I would be A-OK with Jim Harbaugh coaching my team if I were an NFL fan and I was looking for a coach. The Dolphins are going to come up. Not only is it going to be a Tua quarterback-centric offseason for the Dolphins, but it appears as if it's going to be a head coaching-centric offseason for the Dolphins as well. Now, is Brian Flores in a hot seat? I don't think so. Do you maybe have some questions about Brian Flores? Yeah, I think you have some questions about Brian Flores. I know I do. I know I do. Whether it's challenging plays, whether it's putting his players in a position to succeed, whether it's his plans on the offensive side of the ball. Hell yeah, let's just throw in nine offensive coordinators. What could go wrong? There won't be any uh, any confusion there. But... Abbott also foresees the Dolphins' rumor mill finding its way to Jim Harbaugh and to Brian Flores. And this is Evan's plan for the Dolphins. I'm a big Brian Flores fan, and I don't think that Stephen Ross can get tempted by this. In fact, I almost think that Stephen Ross needs to use this as a way to potentially double down on Brian Flores. As odd as that may sound, I would consider giving him a contract extension. I think that the Dolphins are not going to get a better coach than Brian Flores, and I actually may use the Harbaugh thing, that fact that he may come back to the NFL, because what's going to happen is, sooner rather than later, everybody's going to start asking the Dolphins about whether or not they're going to go for this guy, and it's going to become a thing like the Deshaun Watson did thing was. End it now. That's what I would do. Give Flores an extension and end that conversation about Harbaugh. Now that's interesting as hell. Just shut down the speculation. Just shut down the drama of being involved in a coaching situation if you're Stephen Ross, who's already been through one with Jim Harbaugh and Tony Sperano that got flat out ugly. But listen, when you're the Dolphins and you've won two playoff games since 2000 and, or since you've been to the playoffs twice, I should say, not even win, been to the playoffs twice since 2002. You know what you can't do? You can't show loyalty. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Brian Flores, he's got a good football mind defensively. But enough already with giving these guys their first head coaching jobs. Adam Gase. Joe Philbin. Brian Flores. This would be a chance to go get a guy who's done it. A guy who's gone to the Super Bowl. A guy who's a Michigan man like Stephen Ross. A guy who Stephen Ross is enamored with. 
If you're going to throw your reputation on the line going to get a trouble Deshaun Watson and leave your franchise in limbo for months over Deshaun Watson, then you can't be scared to pursue Jim Harbaugh. There's a lot more reward to go get Jim Harbaugh than there is to go get Deshaun Watson. And Stephen Ross is selling himself short and the Dolphins fan base short if there's not at least a flirtation with Jim Harbaugh. Should the Dolphins pursue Jim Harbaugh? If Jim Harbaugh is available, should Stephen Ross and the Dolphins marry? Should Stephen Ross openly pursue Harbaugh and say, hey, Brian Flores, it's been real. It's not you, it's me. And go get Jim Harbaugh. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And tweeted us at ESPN West Palm. I mean, the Dolphins are a, a team that nationally, I think, they're fascinating because they've left their quarterback out to dry. They clearly have problems. They can't make the playoffs. Jim Harbaugh, big name. Everybody has a thought on the Dolphins because you love to crush them or you're sad because you love them. Should the Dolphins get rid of Brian Flores and go get Jim Harbaugh? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Hit us up on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. Do you agree with Evan? Extend Flores, get rid of the drama? Don't go after Jim Harbaugh? Or if you're Stephen Ross, is it, you know what? It's Harbaugh time. I'm finally going to get my guy. Thought I had him a number of years ago. I took some flack for it. But this is my opportunity. I say yes. If Harbaugh is available, Stephen Ross needs to throw his full resources, including a little bit of that Michigan love, Jim Harbaugh's way. It's not because I dislike Brian Flores, but it's because I think that highly of Jim Harbaugh. Business can be dirty. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. On Twitter at ESPN West Palm. Should the Dolphins flirt? And go after Jim Harbaugh if he's available. 888-760-3776. We return to calls when we come back. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Here's Ken Levicka. Listen, I know, I know that he would catch crap for it. I know he would catch crap for it. And I know this because I covered the Dolphins when he went after Harbaugh the first time. Stephen Ross is who we're talking about. And sat in that room, in that boardroom, in Davie, at the Dolphins facility, with the impromptu press conference, with Stephen Ross sitting there, and Jeff Ireland sitting there, and Tony Sperano sitting there, and it's still the most awkward, uncomfortable thing that I've ever been at in my sports professional life. So I know he'd get crap for it. And I know it'd be awkward because it was sure as hell awkward then. But if Jim Harbaugh's available, like what, what, what have you built? What are the Dolphins right now? Are they that close to being a team that can contend after three years of Brian Flores? Like Brian Flores, I mean, he's someone that I, I think deserves to see it through unless Jim Harbaugh's available. Unless Jim Harbaugh's available. I, I, it, the, the, the reward is greater than the risk. It goes back to this risk-reward thing we've referenced a couple of times today. Going to get Jim Harbaugh and saying, Brian Flores, thank you for building the base, but it's time to bring in a guy who's done it, who's won a conference championship. The reward is greater than the risk. 
If Jim Harbaugh is available, Stephen Ross, I, I, I feel like Stephen Ross has an obligation to Dolphins fans, to the Dolphins organization, to go after him, to get him. Should the Dolphins go after Jim Harbaugh if he's available? Should they flirt with him? Should they try and land him? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And it tweeted us, at ESPN West Palm. The South Florida Fair, there is nothing like it. There's one, there's only. It's the South Florida Fair right around the corner. All your favorites are coming back. Fried Oreos, live animals, rides, music, and a whole lot more. Uh, If you're looking for a holiday gift, well... Uh, Give the gift of fun. It's never too late to give a holiday gift, by the way. Get great savings on the South Florida Fair discount tickets. Fair tickets are on sale now. SouthFloridaFair.com and at Publix, including the Mega Saver Package. Four any day admissions, two ride and wristband vouchers, four $5 food tickets, a $150 value on sale now for just $98. All that is at Publix. SouthFloridaFair.com. SouthFloridaFair.com. The fair opens January 14th in West Palm, right around the corner. SouthFloridaFair.com. Should the Dolphins go after Jim Harbaugh? Again, I say yes. Let's hear Evan real quick one more time Friday Night Lights. Stone Labanowitz running things here on Ken LeVica Live. Let's just hear it one more time Evan's thought on how the Dolphins should proceed with Jim Harbaugh potentially being on the market. The athletic I'm report- a big Brian Flores fan, and I don't think that Stephen Ross can get tempted by this. In fact, I almost think that Stephen Ross needs to use this as a way to potentially double down on Brian Flores. As odd as that may sound, I would consider giving him a contract extension. I think that the Dolphins are not going to get a better coach than Brian Flores, and I actually may use the Harbaugh thing, that fact that he may come back to the NFL, because what's going to happen is, sooner rather than later, everybody's going to start asking the Dolphins about whether or not they're going to go for this guy, and it's going to become a thing like the Deshaun Watson did thing was. End it now. That's what I would do. Give Flores an extension and end that conversation about Harbaugh. I, I, again, I see what Evan's saying. I see what Evan's saying. And it gives you some consistency. It keeps you out of that cesspool of drama from a coaching standpoint while you have a sitting coach who isn't on the hot seat because you're going to be chock full of drama when it comes to Deshaun Watson in this offseason. But man, if Jim Harbaugh is there, and I know it for Stephen Ross, the pitchforks are going to be out if he couldn't land Harbaugh. His guy. Like, that's his guy. That's his Michigan man. If he can't land him, it's probably going to be some, some hell to pay for that. But I feel like there's more hell to pay if you just extend Flores and you let Jim Harbaugh go elsewhere. Because Albert Breer was on Freddie and Fitzsimmons, and he was talking about potential landing spots for Jim Harbaugh if he did decide to go to the NFL. And Albert Briere, right off the tip of his tongue, right off the top, had a team name ready to go. And I think the Raiders are an interesting one. Here's why. They were the runner-up to get him in 2015. And people forget this. But it was the Raiders versus the versus versus Michigan for, for Jim Harbaugh in 2015. And the Raiders almost got him. And... I, you know, where did he start his coaching career? As a quality control coach for the Raiders, right? So there's a relationship there with that family. The Raiders would make sense. And I've seen a lot of bears. 
And you know who sort of resembles the quarterback that Jim Harbaugh helped coach into the Super Bowl? Colin Kaepernick? Justin Fields. Same type of guy, same type of quarterback, can run that RPO, probably more comfortable in that RPO. But guess whose game is the RPO as well? Tua. I if, if, if Jim Harbaugh can't make Tua a thing, then Tua indeed just doesn't have a chance. Jim Harbaugh, a guy who brought the RPO, as we know it, into the NFL, that could definitely work. That could definitely work, I think, with Tua. Stephen Ross is selling himself short, selling the organization short, selling the fan base short if they don't pursue Jim Harbaugh. There's enough reward where you go for it. I think you're sending the wrong message if you stick with a coach who has clear play challenge problems, who lost seven straight at one point this season, who has benched his quarterback in the fourth quarters of his rookie year, and I'm not sure that that hasn't really hurt to a long term, treats his quarterbacks like every other position, like Marcel-Louis Jacques, our friend at ESPN, covers the Dolphins. He said, you can't do that with quarterbacks. You can't treat quarterbacks like every other position. Benching, bring him back in. Bench him, bring him back in. I mean, Brian Flores is someone who has had three different offensive coordinators in his three years as a head coach. And this time around, decided to go with multiple offensive coordinators and a different play caller. He's got three of them. Three people with their hands in the offense, play-by-play, on a day-to-day basis. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like a good tact. Brian Flores is coaching material. Brian Flores is a good coach. I would say he's an elite defensive coach. That Dolphins defense is legit. It's real. He's built that thing into a really good unit. But you got to be both things. And Brian Flores is not cut out to be the head coach of a team that doesn't have a ton of weapons and doesn't have an elite play caller, doesn't have an elite offensive coordinator. And I think we've seen enough with Brian Flores to know that he's just not going to attract that. Now, if you go get Jim Harbaugh, Chris Greer has to go too. I mean, Chris Greer has to go the Dolphins GM as it is. But especially if Harbaugh comes in. You got to go get Jim Harbaugh. I'm sorry. The fan base will be more, I will predict this, the Dolphins fan base would be more furious with Stephen Ross if he extends Brian Flores and they don't get a single shot at Jim Harbaugh than they would be if Stephen Ross pursues Jim Harbaugh and whiffs. And you know what? If you're Stephen Ross... You weathered it one time, you can weather the criticism again of going and courting another head coach while you still have one. Brian Flores, as well as anybody should know, you know what? That's just business. Now, what Stephen Ross could do, Stephen Ross's Dolphins organization has been a leaky sieve from a source perspective the entire time that he's been owner. Might want to try and patch that up, too. Because there are a lot of teams that are able to do things And it doesn't leak. It doesn't get out there. Stephen Ross might want to be a little bit better about who he allows in his inner circle when he goes to get Jim Harbaugh. Just my two cents on the whole thing. To avoid himself some of the trouble. I'd much rather it come out after the fact that he's pursuing a head coach and pursuing Jim Harbaugh than I would 
before he's able to meet with Jim Harbaugh. That's how it should be done. That's how good organizations get it done. But I'm telling you, Stephen Ross, there's much more reward in going after Jim Harbaugh than there is extending Brian Flores like Evan suggests and ignoring Jim Harbaugh. Don't let the Raiders or the Bears go after him unscathed because the Dolphins, I think, would be attractive to Jim Harbaugh. Should the Dolphins go get Jim Harbaugh, say bye to Brian Flores, it's been real, and try and go get Jim Harbaugh. You extend Brian Flores if you can't get Harbaugh. But I just, listen, this is desperate times. This is desperate moments now for the Dolphins. Haven't won a playoff game since 2002. That's, I mean, there's only one team that's played in fewer playoff games over the last 20 years, and that's Washington. I mean, you're in the same conversation as a Daniel Snyder-owned team. How do you feel about that? If you have a chance at Jim Harbaugh, why wouldn't you go get it? Brian Flores will be fine. He'll land somewhere. Might even get another head coaching gig. Jim Harbaugh's there. You've at least got to give it a shot. Should the Dolphins try and get Jim Harbaugh if he's available? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on Twitter, at ESPN West Palm. Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach. You got to go get them. You got to go get a Kia from Greenway Kia, West Palm Beach. Want to know why? Not because I say so, but because it's going to be the best car buying experience you're going to have. I, full disclosure, don't like buying cars. I don't like buying automobiles. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of numbers I don't understand, a lot of fine print. It's a lot of time. There's a number of reasons. But also, you always feel like you're getting taken advantage of. They know more than you. They know it right, about, right away. And I just, I've, I've found car buying to be a bit predatory. And at Greenway Kia West Palm Beach, it's the, the absolute opposite of that. It starts with a, so what exactly are you looking for? With one person, you're not pounced on. You're not getting in your personal space. It goes to, hey, want to test drive this? And then it goes to, how can we make your life easier financing? Isn't that what you're looking for when you're trying to buy a car? Is a place that's looking to make your life easier? while also getting you something that you want and need. And that's what you get at Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. Half mile south of Palm Beach International Airport on Military Trail in West Palm, Greenway Kia West Palm Beach has their credit clinic on site. So if it's something sporty you're looking for, something family-oriented you're looking for, something fuel-efficient that you're looking for, that selection of Kias is elite, by the way, Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. They also have that credit clinic because if your credit's not good, they're still going to work their behinds off to make it work. Not to just barely get in at a number that's going to maybe placate you monthly, but to find you a number that's comfortable where you don't wake up in the middle of the night and ask, how do I make my car payment and pay for school and pay utilities and pay for that vacation? They're going to look out for you. They will find creditor after creditor after creditor and find the one that works for you that will make your car payment something manageable. And that's what I appreciate. They hustle for you. Greenway Kia West Palm Beach, that is pure, unadulterated hustle. And it's why I do business with them, because they're hustling for you. Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. GreenwayKiaWestPalmBeach.com. That's where you can check out the selection. GreenwayKiaWestPalmBeach.com. Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. It's where I got my Kia K5 GT. It's where you should stop by this weekend for their beginning of year savings. That's Greenway Kia West Palm Beach. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 1063. 
Here's Ken Lavica. I'm just reading this now from Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald. Uh, he is uh, he is part of the uh, the media call right now with Tua Tungavailoa. I'm trying to decide if I should be concerned about this or if I should feel encouraged about this. And I'm going to keep an eye on former successful college quarterback Stone Labanowitz Friday Night Lights on this to see his reaction. This is the tweet from Barry Jackson. Tua said he needs to simulate cold weather scenarios and practice throwing a wet football. Quote, a lot of the good teams are cold weather teams. That's something I need to take into consideration myself this season. End quote. He wants to travel to cold, wet climates to throw this offseason. All right, so, so Friday Night Lights is saying that's good. But my other question is, like, if you're an NFL quarterback, shouldn't you be able to just do that or work on it already? Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a good thing. Good. It's, it's, it's proactive from Tua, but I would, I would hope that a, a, a guy who, I know he played in the SEC, but isn't Hawaii wet? I mean, I've been to Hawaii, and it rained. It's tropical. Like, hasn't he played in wet conditions before? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I know about this Dolphins team anymore. I don't know if I want Jim Harbaugh. I don't know if they should keep Brian Flores. I don't know if Tua's actually the guy. I have no idea about this Dolphins team. I, I guess that's encouraging that Tua wants to get better, but I'm also frustrated that Tua already uh, doesn't know how to at least survive in cold temperatures. I mean, Mac Jones. Mac Jones was an Alabama quarterback. He seemed to adapt just fine. It, two is doing it maybe two or three times. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm so frustrated. All right. Uh, I wanted to bring Tina here. By the way, Ken Levick alive, ESPN 106.3, Friday Night Lights, Stone Labanowitz. Another couple of minutes until 2 o'clock. Uh, Tina, home team, Christina Costanza. You'll hear her at 4 on Josh Cohen on the home team with Dean Thomas and Tina. I needed to bring you in here because I, I, I want to interest you in a story. Oh, okay. I, I want to tell you a story, okay? Okay. Uh, so I, I needed I needed another voice to bounce this off of because I still don't know if what happened to me about a week and a half ago, I was in the wrong or it was just a simple misunderstanding or if the person who got mad at me was in the right or the wrong. All right, so I'm the play-by-play voice of FAU football and basketball. Many of you know this already. I mentioned it an awful lot. I'm very proud of it. Uh, it's basketball season. And so a couple of weeks ago, FAU, we played at Virginia Commonwealth, BCU, Richmond, Virginia. Okay? Okay. So uh, I, I usually go to breakfast with the sports information director. For those that may not know, the sports information director is the one who makes game notes and sets up interviews with the coach and the players and does all the stats for teams and all that. So he obviously travels with the team as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, both myself and he, Jonathan Frazier, my good friend, shout out Jonathan, we went to breakfast We like we usually do. We went to breakfast on a, a Wednesday morning. And so we walked in, and this was a buffet-style breakfast at this hotel we were staying at in downtown Richmond, all oh, right? Okay. So we walk in, and we're wearing all our FAU gear, and so they know that we're with the team. And so we sit down, and the, uh, the, the, the waitress or the person who greets you at the entrance uh, says, oh, the buffet is back there, so feel free to go get food when you're ready. What would you like to drink? And I say, oh, uh, water and uh, some regular coffee, please, a couple of creams if possible. Yeah, great, good. All right. So we go into this buffet area. We get our food. I got some eggs. I got some yogurt. I got some oatmeal, as you do, uh, some, some wheat toast. I'm not a big oatmeal person. No? No. Have you had brown sugar on it? 
No. Okay, that's I'm telling you, uh, oatmeal with a little bit of brown sugar, that's going to change your whole perspective on oatmeal, I promise, okay? okay. Uh, so we, we, we come back to our table, and I notice that there is, there's just one uh, silverware setting. You know how they, they take the fork, the knife, the spoon, and they wrap it in a yes. napkin? There's only one of those, and there's two of us. Yes. Okay? So I kind of look around. I'm like, oh, man. And they didn't have any silverware in the buffet area. You know how some places, mm-hmm. like you just, they didn't have that back there. So I started like kind of looking around at tables. It was fairly empty in this restaurant area that we were at. And I noticed that there was a table like two away from ours that had a couple of uh, silverwares that were out. But there was, there were, I mean, it was a completely empty table. There was nobody sitting. There was nothing. So I just walked over and I grabbed one of the silverwares from there so that Jonathan could have silverware. Okay. So it was all good and we're, we're eating and everything's great. So then... Jonathan goes to go get some more food, goes up to an assistant coach uh, who was sitting on the other side of the restaurant, and Jonathan comes back to our table, and he's like, bro, uh, apparently some woman came up to uh, our assistant coach and said that you are super inconsiderate and you shouldn't steal silverware. <laughs> I'm like, what? what are you, uh, like, what are you, wait, what are you talking about? I totally forgot about the fact that I had just like, taken silverware for yeah. Jonathan. Apparently what happened is... There were people that were sitting there and they had gone to get their breakfast. Oh. And so the silverware had been set down. I didn't see them. Mm-hmm. I didn't see them. So I just assumed that it was just waiting there for someone who was sat down. The waitress would notice there wasn't enough silverware there when she sat somebody and she just put more there. But no, she had put it there because she had given that table to people. And so I didn't see that take place because I was going to get food. Uh-huh. And so then I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I feel, I feel bad about it. This woman and her husband are sitting at that table. They're like two away from us. And I hear, while Jonathan and I are talking, I hear this woman go, so selfish, so selfish and so gross. And I look over and she's staring at me. Oh. And trash talking me while I'm eating my oatmeal over silverware that I took off of her table. I'm like, and I looked at her, I'm like, holy hell, ma'am. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that this was going to turn into such a dramatic thing. I'm sorry. She goes, yeah, you you don't take silverware. It's so selfish of you. It's ridiculous. So I just like ignored her. Yeah. Okay. And then the waitress comes up to check to see if they're okay. And this woman looks at the waitress and I can hear this. I can hear all of this happening. Goes, I can't believe that guy. Just so selfish and ignorant. Just such a selfish person. And I was like, you know what? Like, I should leave this alone, but I'm not going to because no. this is ridiculous. This is like a, a 62-year-old woman with her husband, and she can't stop. She can't let it go. Sorry, ma'am, you eventually got silverware. This wasn't the only silverware in the damn hotel, yeah. okay? So I looked at her, and I said, I'm so sorry that this has turned into your biggest crisis of 2021, ma'am. I sincerely apologize, and I hope your day gets better from here. <laughs> and I stood up. And I begin to walk out. And she goes, uh-uh, sweetie, we're going to have a conversation now. And she walked <gasps> up to me and bumped me from behind. What? Like bumped me with her shoulder from behind. This 62-year-old yeah. woman? And she's like, no, we're going to have a conversation right now. And I'm like, no, 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 no. 
we're not going to have a conversation. And she's like in my face. And all the players are looking at me. Oh, my goodness. Because they're down there for breakfast by this point. All the assistant coaches are looking at me. Everybody in the restaurant's looking at us. And I'm like, ma'am, we are not having a conversation about this. I am not having a conversation. I'm like, ma'am, sit down. You're embarrassing yourself. She goes, no, we're talking right now. And I finally just like walked away. And I was like, what just happened? That's ridiculous. I did not... I was not expecting this story to get Yeah, no, this it way. got it got like <laughs> confrontational and and uh, sort of physical yeah. too. So my question to you is did I do anything that was malicious? Did I do anything that was wrong? Like I did apologize for this, but then I had someone tweet me when I told the story on Twitter who said, "Oh yeah, in my neighborhood, we'd be fighting over that." Like did I do something wrong? I don't think you did anything wrong. Like, was the server anywhere in sight when you couldn't find somewhere? No. no. Okay, no, yeah. I, I think that's totally common. I think you always see people at restaurants, if they don't have enough silverware, they look at the table behind okay, them next okay. to him. So you're saying that's it. a common thing. I didn't do something that, like, makes me an automatically a scumbag. No, I've definitely done that before. If I don't see my server and I have my food and I'm ready to eat and there's an empty table okay. behind me, I would grab it too. Okay, that makes me feel better. Feel free to tweet at me, at KLV1063, at KLV1063. Did I do anything wrong? taking the silverware off of the empty table that would have led I know I, I know great Scott indeed that would have led <laughs> to me being physically confronted by the 62 year old woman again tweeted me at KLV 1063 Tina I appreciate your support well thank you for allowing me to come help and yeah no you did nothing yeah. wrong it's still like telling the story very traumatic for me uh four o'clock today tina part of josh cohen on the home team with dean thomas and tina want to thank stone the friday night lights i'm ken levicka talk to you tomorrow we've been live on espn 1063 bye bye now